continuing our contemplation of the Dharma. The way things are. The nature of things. We don't have to go searching high and low for the Dharma. It's always teaching us, unfolding. In this moment, the sights, sounds, smells, tastes, sensations, images, thoughts, are teaching us the Dharma, teaching us the way of things. We can receive the Dharma, align with the Dharma, investigate the Dharma, awaken to the Dharma, merge with the Dharma, If we're humble enough, willing to allow this experience, this life to touch us, what blocks that? The convictions and views and biases that are telling us it's like this, it's like that. Can you feel, can we feel the rigidity of that? that obstructs clear seeing, clear listening, as it warps and distorts reality into fixed categories, us and them, me and you, good and bad, here and there, the living flowing dharma, as I was mentioning last night, it's ever, ever changing. Yet the paradox, what's this talk of the deathless, that which never dies? The paradox is that the more we honor, recognize, open up to the ever-changing, ungraspable, cascading torrent of phenomena. The more we allow that, acknowledge that, open to that, let it be, let it flow, we find ourselves resting in that which never moves, never changes. And that actually the changing and the changeless, the forms and the emptiness, there's two words for it. But that's the limitation of language. When we don't really reflect on the impermanent nature of language as we bless even our thoughts with practice letting each thought reveal itself as a bubble that vibrates and pop. We see the bubble there and consciousness says, there it is, see it is, it exists. 
and someone else comes along and so much for your existence. <laughs> Gone. Doesn't exist. There it is again. It does. It doesn't. It does. It doesn't. The clumsiness of language to... Language is wonderful for pointing, discerning, but to really capture the ultimate nature of something. Language is woefully inadequate. Is, isn't, is, isn't. But then when we see the ephemeral nature of language, then we're not bound by the concretization, reification of distinction of things. There are actually no things. Huh? What are you talking about, Gettysburg? You were pretty good up to that point, but... Again, I'm really sorry, but no things. Okay, let's call in the quantum physicists. Are there any things? Actually, Kitty Shaw, you're right. There are no things. Thank you. (laughs) Sometimes we need backup. But the, the Buddha gave this the wonderful Vajra Sutra. It's called the Diamond Sutra. One of the four-line stanzas, which is our favorite to contemplate. All conditioned dharmas are like dreams, illusions, bubbles, shadows. Like dewdrops in a lightning flash. Contemplate them thus. Dewdrops. For years, walking our beloved, beloved dog in the morning in the Drakensberg Mountains, right after meditation, he was so excited to get out and read the news and sniff who's been there overnight. He got to choose, go right or go left. That's your choice, Jack. But wherever we went in the early morning, Thousands of spider webs with trillions of dewdrops, tiny dewdrops. The, the light, the sparkling, wow, in the mind, dewdrops. But as the sun raises a little bit, they're gone. All conditioned things are like dreams, illusions, bubble shadows, like dew drops in a lightning flash. They're not really things. We imagine, we call it something, is there such a thing as a dew drop? It's actually insubstantial. It's not a separate entity. It's a vibratory, relational manifestation dependent on the sun and the atmosphere and all sorts of things. It's dewdrops aren't things. But when consciousness through Papancha, what I talked about last night, that misunderstanding of thoughts, thoughts that 
are tainted with the brush of ignorance that then manifest multiplicity. Even the shortest thought in the English language, one little harmless stroke, I. That's very economical, Kitty Sorrow. I. Just one I. But it's King Kong of the Papuncha machine. You get an eye, the harmless little eye, and if it's reified, yeah, what do you mean? It's happening to me, and it's pretty darn challenging. You got an eye, you got a you. You got a here, you got a there. You, you've got a I like and then I don't like. And the 84,000 things. And when we really reify language, thoughts come in, you're a hopeless case. Oh, God, I'm a hopeless case. (laughs) And that's a bubble in the mind, that bubble appearing in the vastness, the immeasurability of the citta, the heart, our nature. And this little bubble comes along. (laughs) You're you're a hopeless case. (laughs) Or... As we know, the other can come along too. I'm the the narcissism. The and we keep pumping ourselves up with that. That's birth. So so then, when we imagine something, we lean on that. Let's say a a feeling, a pleasant mood, an insight. I've got it. A pleasant feeling. Finally, write that down. (sighs) What? What? Oh yeah, November fourth. Cracked it. It was a hell of a long time coming, but I hung in there. (laughs) Hallelujah. Who should I write about it? You know. So that's birth. Birth. Cracked it. Spirit rock. Who'd have thought? Who would have thought? The first Chattanooga, Tennessee, R. Houghton. <laughs> in, in decades. It might be in Time magazine. <laughs> Birth. And then <laughs> someone else comes by and uh, frowns at you and you think, what, what did I do? What did I do? Did I... Leave something unzipped. <laughs> that's called death. When you lean on something that shifts and changes. But when there's the recognition of change, and this is what we're going to practice this morning, rather than being turned by condition, the worldly winds, when we grasp it, pleasure, and it keeps dissolving, we keep looking for it and holding it and dissolving, we whirl around it. That's why... Grasping at pleasure and success and praise and honors. Whirling, whirling, whirling. But when we contemplate them thus, then the, we 
allow the condition to change. Yes, we appreciate pleasure. It comes and goes. Yes, we can appreciate the full moon, but it waxes and now we're getting close, 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 close to the new moon. Disappears. Oh, we've lost the moon. We've lost the moon. But as we mature and as the disenchantment, the positive disenchantment, we let the bubbles come, the bubbles go, the full, the new, the praise, the blame, and those moments, then we touch into the undying. We create birth and death when we lean on something and attach me, mine. As we reflect on change, allowing things to flow. And we're going to do this morning the classical with the breathing. It's not far away. We use the breathing for calming, healing, brightening up when we're too sluggish, soothing down when we're too restless. But then just the slight adjustments with the being with the body breathing. The, the, in the Anapanasati Sutta, the Buddhist teaching on mindfulness of the breathing, the fourth, what fulfills the fourth foundation of mindfulness is breathing in and out, contemplating change. These are not big essays we're writing. Just holding the perception, allowing ourselves as we breathe in and out to be in touch with how everything's flowing. Almost like if a fan was turning, but instead of hard blades, it was feathers. Swirling, 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 and you just touch it and let the... Just let... So the... The sensations are flickering and changing, but one's resting in the stillness. Breathing in and out, contemplating change. Breathing in and out, the second one is contemplating viraga. Changes on nicca. Viraga means fading. As we really start to notice change, then we don't have to convince ourselves not to grasp. If you're standing in front of a waterfall, and even if you call it my waterfall, you can't take it away. You can reach in there and try to get it. The Buddha said trying to grasp change is like trying to grasp empty space. You're going to reap weariness. So, Contemplating change leads to viraga, a dispassion. Then contemplating change, contemplating what's called niroda, cessation, the ending. We're in a moment of stopping, when we're not creating birth and death, when we're being with the suchness, the timeless, the, the peaceful, the undying appears. It's been here all along, but we taste its ease, its deep rest. 
home. That can be in moments. And the fourth one, very important, breathing in and out, and we're just touching them this morning, so you have a feeling for the classical way the Buddha taught us to, while in touch with the world, to guide ourselves to this ground of peace, of the unconditioned. The fourth one is breathing in and out, contemplating patinisaka, which means giving back, means relinquishing. All the suffering comes from this claiming what isn't ours, giving back. Even the phrase, let go, is really good for that. Just let it, not get rid of, it's not throwing anything out a window. Let be, let go. That softening of volition. Finding a comfortable posture. Relatively. Taking a few calm, quiet, deep breaths. <coughs> what the Buddha called the long breath. So that we find our body. And receive that gift that's being offered to us of the vitalizing in-breath. And using that out-breath that constellates, that conditions the deep release. On that long, slow, quiet out-breath, softening, releasing the eyes, the jaw, the shoulders, the heart, <coughs> lower back, belly, hips, legs, just making the effort to be upright and align ourselves so that we're not making extra effort. A few long, deep, soothing, or if we're really tired, let it be a brightening breath as we savor that in-breath. If we're a little stressed, the out-breath can carry us into a deeper ease and, and appreciating Mother Earth is here for us. She's holding us. And as we align left and right, forward and back, and find that axis mundi, that centrality, of alignment when our body is aligned with Mother Earth. And especially as we rest on the out-breath and our center of gravity drops more from the head down, more into body, then this little body partakes of the depth and immeasurability of Mother Earth, the power steadiness. Things are like this. 
sounds, feeling tones, they are just this way. And allowing your breathing to find its own rhythm. And your own way of receiving, being connected to the experience of body, sitting and breathing. Maybe the nostrils, being with the sensations in the heart or belly, however. Or even a wider holding of sound within which there's still the body sitting, breathing. Breathing in and out, contemplating anicca. change, relaxing with change, as the in-breath shimmers and shifts and becomes the out-breath, don't need to do a lot of thinking. We want to have a word, even just the word change, as we breathe out. Let that quiet word dissolve. As it dissolves, it teaches us change and points us to being sensitive to the ever-changing sensation. of breathing. And hold it very lightly. There's going to be sounds coming in. And maybe the intention wanders a bit, but that too is change. Uncomfortable sensations in the body Breathing in and out, knowing change, ephemerality, things becoming otherwise all on their own. Resting with the change. No need to strain. Whatever comes into the field of awareness, of inner listening, changing, sounds, the swelling and subsiding of the breathing, The attention that 
moves here and there. Any perceptions or thoughts that might arise and shift, changing. Breathing in and out, contemplating vilaga, fading dispassion. As we're with everything, shimmering, shifting, changing, like this cascading waterfall of phenomenon, does it make sense to try to grab it possess it. It's not self. It's not belonging to us. Dispassion, clear, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, it's changing in our Wanting and not wanting can begin to fade. So we become more even. Letting life do its thing. Nothing to get hold of. Nothing to get rid of. Resting in, being, dispassion. Calm. Awake. Not by grabbing it, but by fading the fading of grabbing, the fading of fighting. Breathing in and out, contemplating Niroda. Cessation. Letting things end. Even the sound cessation ends. The ending of grasping and rejection. the endless samsaric running ahead and pushing away in a moment stops. 
there's peace. What the Buddha called patience with the non-production of dharmas. We're not creating anything. Just breathing in and out, just letting that flow be the flow. Allowing things to end, dissolve. You keep emptying themselves, resting in peace. Breathing in and out, contemplating patinisaka, giving back each out-breath, a quiet letting go. Relinquishing our claim, releasing and resting in the lap, the womb, the ground, the embrace of the Divine Mother. Tathagatakarbha. The Buddha nature. Whatever name we give, we give that back to as it ends, dissolves. Each outbreath a returning like a mother behind a child that's on a swing, the mother standing on Mother Earth. The child swings forward, then swings back to the mother, and the mother touches her briefly, reassuring that child. Then on the out-breath, she just lets go, and the child swings out. She waits timelessly. Shao comes back, she touches, reassures, letting go with each out-breath. Each out-breath, deeply rest in relinquishment, letting go. Each in-breath, gently touch, body sensation, each out-breath, surrender. at one with the totality.
finishing with the words of our dear teacher, Lumpacha, Ajancha. Do everything with a mind that lets go. Do not expect praise or reward. If you let go a little, you will have a little peace. If you let go a lot, you will have a lot of peace. (coughs) If you let go completely, you will know complete peace. Your struggles with the world will have come to an end. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.